in Dublin's fair city, where the girls are so pretty, I first set my eyes on sweet Molly Malone. As she wheeled her wheelbarrow through streets broad and narrow, crying cockles and mussels, alive, alive oh. That is the opening lyrics. Those are the opening lyrics to a song called Cockles and Mussels that was done by the Dubliners this time. But if you look back through history, it was probably done myriad times by just about everybody who took seriously the art of music because it's been around for a couple hundred years. And I'll get into, in a moment, I'll get into uh, why I chose these lyrics and what I was thinking about and so forth. This is Joey Thurman, and this is Sean Matthews' podcast. And with me today, of course, Captain, my captain, Sean, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. It sounds uh, cool you opening the show with some of your, because these lyrics mean a lot to you, like you told me. Um I got a couple of stories I want to get to a little bit, but I want you to really just talk about why this song means a lot to you, man. Well, Sean, last week, um, some of the things we were talking about, I think we were talking about Chosen on TV, the series. And I was, I just thinking a lot lately about my father. And I was thinking, I guess because, um, you know, mom passed in, in 2007, the dad passed in 15. And of course, as you know, uh, I took care of Pop for like four, four and a half years. He had Alzheimer's and all this kind of stuff. We've, we've been through this before. Um, but I just found myself a little guilty. I hadn't been thinking about mom. It wasn't that I, I love my mother, unbelievably, but I think just because I, mom passed first and then I had dad and then I had to take care of him after that. I think I, I, you know, you have to love one, you don't admit to either one, but you love one like a slightly more, you you have more of a connection with one of them than the other. So I guess I had more of a connection with dad than I did mom. Um, that being said, I started to think about mom and um, I, I went online because one of her favorite songs was this song called Cockles and Muscles. Cockles, it's, it's this Celtic now, okay? It, it, but, you know, in Dublin's fair city. So this is an Irish, as a matter of fact, this song is so famous that it's the unofficial anthem of Dublin, okay? Yeah, it's it, been around it, for a couple it, hundred years. Yeah, they made it around like 1876, I saw it. It's Dublin's unofficial anthem. I, I, cause I didn't know anything about it until you told me. I had to look it up and I'm like, you know, what the, who sings this song that I found out? There's a lot of different artists that really have been singing the song for hundreds of years. Yes. And even before that 18, that, that date you mentioned, it, they can trace some of the, the folklore back to the early 1800s about Molly Malone and so forth. Um, my mother used to listen to this kind of music because her father, father was the Celtic. Okay. In, in the, you know, my mom was half German, half Irish or Celtic or whatever you want to call it. So, um, her father was Celtic and her father listened to this as, and if you think about it, it's been around for a couple hundred years, his grandfather probably listened to it. And so probably over in the old country. Um, I used to think that it was really an esoteric song that only a few people, only a group, small group of people knew this one. Um, you know, cockles and mussels, what are you talking about? And the cockles, of course, is clams. It's the Celtic word for like clams. And muscles is muscle are muscles, okay. And if you think back a couple hundred years, um, someone wheeling a barrel through the streets of Dublin yelling cockles and muscles is clams and muscles alive. They're live. And they still today, I, I don't eat seafood, but I understand a lot of people buy clams and, and mollusks and so forth. They buy them live because they want to make sure they're fresh. So that's where that, that terminology comes in. But I digress. I was thinking about mom and I was thinking about this time of year. And one thing she always did every Christmas season, uh, 
anytime during the year, really, but especially it's ingrained in my head at Christmas season. He used to have these old, those big records. I don't know if they were uh, what's uh, seventy-two or 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 I don't know what the they weren't forty-five. Forty-fives were the small records. They were the bigger. They were these were the bigger ones. The whole albums, the vinyl. She used to play those, and she had she had there were scratches on them. There were bumps and skips and everything. And she she played it on this big hi-fi. She called it. This is back in the day. Now you know in the in the fifties and sixties and, and into the seventies, she had this this old hi-fi. She called it with the needle to the record, right? And but. I can remember my dad coming home one time. I was about 10 and mom's just shaking the windows with this Christmas music. And my dad comes in and says something about, you know, uh, Mr. Morella down the street wants you to turn the, to, to, to want you to turn the music down a little bit. He was joking, but that's how loud she used to play it. Um, when I hear this song, when I, when I, I, you know, it reminds me of, it, it's a sad song in so many ways because it talks about this, um, this, this lady, Molly Malone. And the life she had, I mean, they would wake up before dawn, go out to the ocean, the, these, these fishmongers, right? And they would dig for clams and mollusks and everything like that for four or five hours till 10 or so in the morning or nine in the morning, whatever it was. And then they went to work. You know, I mean, they woke up early, went to, went to, to dig for, for, for shellfish, got a whole barrel full of them or a whole wheelbarrow full. And now they're off to work, walking the streets and, and, you know, just yelling out and selling their, their product. And what a tough life it must have been. But, um, it's, it's a sad song, uh, about Molly Malone. Um, uh, but it also, um, it reminds me of being a kid. It reminds me of mom. Nothing reminds me more of mom than this song. And sure as heck, um, and, and I, I, later we're going to, uh, I think we can get a link for folks for this. But yeah, I was just going to comment, um, interject really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, this song is done by a lot of different artists. And if you yes. search on YouTube, just to be very clear, it's Molly Malone. Malone with an M-A, M-A-L-O-N-E, mm-hmm. just spelling her last name. Um, Molly Malone or Cockles and Muscles, but Molly Malone would probably be easier to search for. Um, I'm looking into putting YouTube links because we're not with this copyright issues. We can't actually play the songs on here, but we can possibly put YouTube links in the description of the podcast. Now I know a lot of people are te- technologically savvy and they can simply go on YouTube and search for it themselves. Uh, we realize that we got a lot of smart listeners out there. People right. are really hip, um, yeah. but we're going to look into possibly putting a link. Cause I don't know what the logistics are like, cause YouTube's owned by Google and we're doing this podcast where it's a general podcast that goes on all different platforms, not just Spotify, not just Apple. Um, the idea of just putting a YouTube link, because th- you know, once you click the link, they're still getting paid. Whoever, ha- whoever, whoever you know, has that song uploaded, they're getting paid by the ads or whatever. And we're not getting anything for putting that link up, right? So I don't want it to be a thing where we put the link up and then they tell us to take the, the episode off or remove the link from the description. We have to re-upload it. So I have to look into the logistics, but... Very for now, it's easy to find right on YouTube. Just Molly Malone, Irish Dublin song, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe, I'm glad you chose this because it's it's different from what we talked about. You you've been going a little bit different lately. I like that you've been doing the blues blues of Buddy Guy. Um, you got this tonight, the Molly yes. Malone. So I, I like that. There's a little mm-hmm. bit um diversity, uh, for sure. 
yeah, being eclectic and being diverse, especially with music, if I preach this to kids and even adults now that I work with, it sometimes can get a little, uh, you know, uh, narrow minded about say, no, no, you got to expand. This is, you know, this is music as a whole lot different, you know, and one one day on here, not next week or anything, one day on here, I'm going to do something that's probably about, I don't know, 500 years old. It's but it's a beautiful piece of music. I'm going to talk about it a little bit, and then probably the next week I'll do some Ozzy Osbourne or something. I don't know, but it, you know that whole range, that whole uh, being eclectic is something I preach. So I'm going to, um, you know, if I talk the talk, I'm going to walk the walk. Um, but yeah, just like, real like, quickly, like you said, uh, I just want to. I like how you said um, you stick to your home base mainly, but then sometimes you venture off the home base, with, especially with like when it comes to music and stuff like that. Um, you venture right. a little bit and you see what's out there musically and artistically. And sometimes you discover some, some beautiful things. If you go out of your own lane for a second. Right. And not only that, sometimes people say, Oh, that, that stuff will put me to sleep. Sometimes you want to be put to not necessarily to sleep, but sometimes you want something that's down low and relaxing and, and, and chilling. It's like, do you listen? Like, I want to ask that person sometimes, like, do you listen to club music? Like when you want to lay down and relax? I mean, is it are you is your mind that way all the time? And if I'm going to go exercise or pump iron or do something like that, it's heavy metal or it's or some fast pump like club music like that or whatever. Um, but if I'm driving in my car down a country road and I got maybe a six hour drive in front of me, I don't necessarily want that. I might want some easy 70s music yeah. or something like that so it depends mood uh, music is a mood intensifier so it depends on what kind of mood you're in is my point but real quickly i'm going to talk touch one more thing on 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 molly malone here on cockles and muscles molly malone same thing people call that song it has two titles okay but it starts out talking about her in dublin's fair city where the girls are so pretty i first set my eyes on sweet molly malone as she wheeled her wheelbarrow through streets broad and narrow and this was her cry crying cockles and muscles alive alive oh it's clam and muscles alive live clams and muscles okay it goes on to talk about um she was a fishmonger so were her parents you know and that's why she was and then it's it's it's, it goes on it tells the sad story of her life and it says she died of a fever and nothing could save her and that was the end of sweet molly malone and at the very last the very last segment it says now her ghost wheels a barrel through streets broad and narrow you know, so it, 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 it even finishes up that way that, that it, it not only finishes with her and in some good versions, some different versions that they'll have that gross, uh, the ghost calling out a little bit, you know, not in a real ghoulish way, but just in a real, real chill way, a real peaceful way. So it's, it's a, it's a story. It's a, it's a Celtic story, but it could be any nationality. And I think it's a tribute to the women throughout history who have broken their backs working and never gotten credit for it or acknowledged for it. Um, yeah. So I think it's a women's song. I think, it, I, th- I, th- I think it's a Celtic song. I think it's a song for everybody really, when you get down to it. And especially for me, yeah, uh, it reminds me of Julia. That was my mom's name was Julia. And it re- it, it, I can't get normally I read this, but if, if, if no one's around and I put that song on, especially the version that we're, um, that we're linking to, I found that and I found a couple of them, but I saw that one and I got, you know, you know, there were four lines in and I was already, you know, a half a mess. So emotionally. So, um, you know, it, it's a good, it's a good version, the Dubliners. Um, but bear in mind, they didn't create that song. Uh, I don't know that anybody has really had the right to, to, to lay claim to it. 
but that's another interesting thing about it but it's been around for a couple hundred years a great tune and we are diverse musically i talk it so i wanted to walk it and there it is hopefully we get that link if we don't get the link up for some reason guys it is just the dubliners molly malone on youtube the dubliners dublin er's molly malone on youtube absolutely um you mentioned um you know, do people listen to club music when they're laying down? You got me cracking up here because like, you know, imagine them laying down and they, all they listen to is club music. Is there like peaceful club music? Because back in the day, the, the joke was there's a song called uh, Sandstorm by Darude. I believe it's Darude. And everyone knew the beat by heart, but they could do it with their mouth. I don't know if, I don't know if it's going to come through on the mic, but you go like, and like you do that, and that's at like the club music. But like you know, I can't imagine having that beat playing in my mind all the time. It would drive me crazy. But well, and uh, that's just it. And I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want, um, uh, I wouldn't want Sinatra singing New York, New York, or singing, uh, you know, something, you know, something really slow. Because I love, love Sinatra. If I'm out having a couple of belts, I'd love to hear some Frank or whatever, or even Billy Joel with some slow stuff. If I'm, if I'm running or, or doing some exercise, I'd rather hear something different. And it depends on what time of day it is. Depends on what kind of mood it is, but dude, there's slow music. There's fast music. Exactly. There's music in between. There's everything. Yep. Open it up. And uh, I actually have a, pl- one of my, I have a ton of playlists on Spotify and a couple of them are called mood, mood, M O O D mood changers. Uh, mm-hmm. These songs are specific songs that can literally alter my mood immediately almost because they're so emotional and they're so good and they're all pretty much eclectic and different. Um, but I, when I find a song that really like changes my mood, I'm like, oh, my, my, mood, my mood just changed. Um, you know, I'll throw it on the mood changers playlist or something like that. Then I have like a, I have a, a playlist just for adrenaline from working out called like adrenaline currents. Mm-hmm. Um, so music can be a very powerful, like sort of drug, but it's a healthy drug. Um, right. Um, Joe, have you, my have, you been, Go ahead. Have, you, have you still been taking those co- oh, those Hall's cough drops? Uh, how you feeling? Are you feeling better? But when you were sick, were you taking the Hall's cough drops? It's weird that you mentioned this because you and I did not talk about this, but this is really weird, Joe, because I was going to mention I was going to mention uh, on the show say, tonight. We're going to say the positive affirmations on each rapper. No, That's where no, I'm going with no. this. I was going. I don't know what you're joking about that, but I, I, I wanted to to say that I finally got um, after half the week messing around with some Ludens and some Ricola, nothing against those folks. They're good, good companies. They've okay. But for me, Hall's I couldn't scary. get holes. I finally got some, some honey lemon holes okay. last night. And what a big difference to be back home with some holes. And I have one in, in between my cheek and gum right now, because I'm still, I'm still fighting this, whatever that I, I still, still have the cough. I have some, I finally bought some Robitussin. I was able to buy some of that. And that is tremendous. Um, and it's honey flavored. So it's like you're drinking honey. Um, and it helps the cough suppression and the throat and everything else. Um, to, to an extent, I yeah. still may be silent out every now and then. Yeah. But I wanted to say, uh, about the Hall's cough drops. I don't know. I thought you would notice this, but on each rapper, there's positive sayings. Like I have one right now. It's called seize. There's, there's a saying on there. It sees the day. Um, then it says you got to keep. I must have to open this to see all these. Hold on. And I did not even look at that. Don't don't waste precious don't waste a precious minute. Seize the day. Um, and then this is little things. Put your game face on. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Yeah, it's carpe diem. But you know, but it has like these positive affirmations. That's pretty cool. Like you know, you think you're just taking a cough. I love when companies do this. Like oh. you know, be be versatile. Make your packages not just promoting the company, but have some little positive affirmations that's going to help people out throughout their day. 
Yeah. Another one says, it says high five yourself. So it's just little things to motivate you and keep you going throughout the day. Cause you're, they know people are feeling like crap when they take these, these cough drops or yeah, coughing exactly all over the place. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, those little sayings might actually help people out. So that's weird though. I was, I just going to like out of nowhere say, you know, it's just so good to have a real Hall's mentholiptus. <laughs> and I see the writing on this, this wrapper in front of me, but it's so small. I do not have my glasses or whatever. So I, I, but I do see periodically there's a, there are a couple of um, black letters written here and there. Uh, so I guess those are the aforementioned uh, positive yeah. uh, thoughts. Um, I, actually I didn't have, notice that. Speaking about like, I guess we're on the topic of uh, cough medicines and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was, I, I have some dating apps and one of the dating apps is Tinder. Uh, it's known for a hookup site, hookup, like dating app type of thing, but like, you know, Easy it can enough. be, it can lead to a relationship too. It's not all about hooking up. Like, I don't, I don't view it that way. I want to meet like a nice girl. Right. Yeah, I'm 36. I'm still single. But anyway, I match with this really like good looking girl. In this day and um, age, that's not a big deal. She's only, it. she's only 33. Mm-hmm. I'm 36. So the age gap's not that big. Um, her profile was cool. She liked me first and I saw it. I was like, Oh, interesting. Like she's attractive. She's got a nice profile. So then I liked her back. We matched. Then I sent her a message last night. Um, I just said, Hey, how's it going? I said, we're both Sagittarius's, you know, that's cool. Something simple like that. And she said, Oh, LOL, we're twins. So I thought it was going, going well. Like she laughed and then she said like, she wasn't feeling that good. So I'm like, Oh, I wasn't feeling that good recently either, but I took some day cool and night cool to really fight through it, to get through those symptoms. And then I said, uh, I said, um, Oh, you know, she said, I said something about staying in tonight. I was just watching movies. Cause that's what she was doing too. And then she's like, um, and then I said, uh, I have an AMC movie subscription. So she, she said, staying in is cool. You know, staying in is like, you know, it's cool just to chill out in your house. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But then I decided to go to the movies last night. Um, so I saw this new Gerard Butler movie called plane, but that's not the point of this. The point is um, I told her I had a movie subscription. I told her that I took Dayquil and NyQuil and then she didn't reply last night. I'm thinking, okay, you know, she's busy. She's not feeling good. That type of thing. So I waited till today to the afternoon and I sent her another message. I said, how are you feeling today? And uh, then I go back to check a couple hours later to see if she got it. And uh, she magically unmatched with me. So on these dating apps, you could unmatch with somebody if you don't want to talk to them anymore, if you don't want to continue pursuing it. So that really, you know, I didn't, what do you think about this, Joe? Do you think it was because like I asked how she was feeling? I didn't really, you know, I don't, we don't know each other that well. All she told me was she's not feeling well. So I said, how you feeling today? Or was it because I said I took day quo and night quo? Or was it because I have a movie subscription? Because like these dating sites, sometimes, you know, a girl unmatched with you, suddenly you have no answers to why and you'll never know why. Um, do you think that she just like, you know, she decided she didn't want to like just pursue me romantically because I said something weird? It was just a, just one of those things. She didn't, she wasn't feeling it anymore. If this were me, if this were me, I would probably, and if I sat down and I thought, what, what did I do or what's going on? What happened? I would think maybe, Joey, maybe you like came on a little too fast and you, you're getting a little too intimate too quickly. And, and that look, and I, intimate, you know what I mean? I, you know, I'm, I mean, intimate is like, like, like how you feeling or whatever. And exactly. the other, I mean, per, the other person's like thinking, well, you don't even know me yet. So what, what are you asking me? But, this but very she's, gentle? she's the one who told, like, she told me she, the first, one of the first things she said was, I'm not feeling that good. Um, and, uh, and don't get know, me wrong, Sean. Some young ladies would be unbelievably head over heels with you asking that question. That's what know? I'm saying. So it's not meant to be, right? Obviously, I, something, something. Right. I don't think it was a day cool night. I overthink things. You need the young lady that says, oh, isn't he sweet? Did he have this guy? Yeah, so and they're there. It wasn't meant to be. You know, she got spooked by something or she thought I was too clingy because it's because I asked, you know, it was also keeping the conversation going because last night I'm thinking, 
you know, she said she wasn't feeling well. Then I said I was going to the movies and there was no reply. I said one thing that was it. I didn't keep texting her. I don't do that. Um, and then That's just smart. today, the hours had passed the next day, you know, I've been over like, you know, the next day it was afternoon time. And I said, all I said, what do I say next? You know, how do I keep this going? Um, Here, here's he- what you do. Here's what you do. And that's the words. I know we're live. We're doing a show. This is what I would do. Not to end it. And I would wait three days and then I'd say, I'd get, give her a text and I'd say something I said, question mark. That's yeah, it. That, and even then, that though, then, even if I said something I said, she might be thinking like, oh man, I, I have dude, so many guys I match with. You know, he, I completely forgot about him. Then all of a sudden this guy is saying like, he thinks I offended him or he thinks he offended me. And what I do you think, got to you lose know, at this point? At this point, you got nothing to lose anyway. You wait three days, say something I said, that's it. And then, and then just don't worry about what she, if it's meant to be, she'll get back to you. If she doesn't respond to that, you know, I got two words for her. Okay. So, with it, um, so, and I'm not <laughs> going to say them here, but, and, and, and not really, actually, there could be myriad reasons why she's not, maybe she, maybe she doesn't want to jump right in. Maybe she senses that you're like a sensitive guy and she wants one of those, but not yet. Maybe she just broke up with someone and she doesn't want, who knows? And who knows what's going through her head, but I could, I wouldn't change anything, Sean, because there's a young lady out there that would be so head over heels that you asked her that question and were concerned about her. Now you can be too clingy and all, but I don't think what you did was. I just think it must be something to do on her end. So I wouldn't worry about it. Welcome to the world of computer freaking dating and all this other stuff. I still like the one-on-one face-to-face bump into someone at ShopRite type thing because you're right there because this, this a lot of times this well, computer you, stuff you, is like just, yeah. when you go shopping if you see an attractive woman um do you ever like try to spit some game or do you just leave her alone and let her shop? How do you go about doing it? I, I never I want to interrupt people when they're out, like, even at the gym. I never want to interrupt the girl at the gym working out. If I see a girl at the supermarket, it's like in these public places, except if you're at a bar where it's acceptable, everyone's talking to each other. How do you go about it? Like at a supermarket, what do you say? Like, oh, well, those those mashed potatoes yeah, look really yeah, good? Well, yeah, you, you 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 don't want to do the jackass thing like you see on TV or something and that kind of thing. Um, like grab a piece of piece of fruit or say some jack. <laughs> here's the here, here's the thing. Lately, have I? No, absolutely not. Lately, I'm so tired and I'm, and, and this and I, I have I haven't like been at that extroverted out, but I I have and basically basically you're going to find look if she if she gives you a second look really if she looks up and you see her has a like a second look you'll know like if you make eye contact with her and you look away and then she gives you just like a second look you'll know if she doesn't fine normally and if she does you could just walk up to her and say something really like are you finding it like joking like you find anything you're looking for because i can help you or whatever or you just walk up and smile and say there she is just like that and see what happens. And you'll know, look, within, within, within three, 3.2 seconds, you do, you will know because either she's going to feed back into that conversation, wanting to feed back and wanting to say something and keep the conversation rolling because she's interested in meeting someone too, or it's going to be like a quick type of, you know, so, um, yeah. have I, yes, have I recently? No, but have I sure? Uh, but you don't want to overdo anything either, yeah. but she, you know, showing you that little extra look, or if you catch her looking she, at you, yeah. you know, okay, at least she digs you know, the start here, you know, that kind I of think in person, like you're saying in person is definitely a, a better way to meet girls. Like, if you, I know how to read body language and get like signs and figure out like what's going on just by looking at, just looking at them. They don't have to say anything. I can figure out how they're reacting to what I'm saying, how my words are affecting them. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this dating thing online, it's like all I had at my disposal was this conversation and just this chat. Um, and I had no indication of how she was feeling when I said, 
the first thing that I'm going to the movies um, after she said it, she likes staying in. So now I'm thinking she said she likes staying in the next, the next minute. Cause I told her I was probably just going to watch basketball and stay in. But then I, then I told her, Oh, I just decided to go to the movies. I was all, you know, I was going to see a movie. So maybe she's thinking, okay, this guy just changed his mind so quickly. And then what the hell is, I don't know. I'm overthinking it, but we talked about sure. supermarket and food. It brings me back to something about mashed potatoes. Um, have you ever had those Bob Evans mashed potatoes from the supermarket? The ones you just like put right in the oven or the microwave, the yes, Bob I Evans have. ones. I okay, have. so I, I just recently started buying them, and they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that happened the other night, it was almost like a good fortune for me. Um, it turned from bad fortune to good fortune. I was up late. I was eating some mashed potatoes, um, uh, you know, and I guess I got a little bit mashed potatoes on my phone. But then I realized the next the next morning, um, there was mashed potatoes like in the charging port of my phone. I'm like, shit, did I break my phone? Cause I got, I was eating friggin' Bob, Bob Evans mashed potatoes, like a slob late at night. I got it in my phone. Now I got to get a new phone or won't, cause it wasn't charging. I was like, what the hell's going on? The phone is not charging. Um, so I had to like, I had to figure out if it was the cable, if it was the outlet, what was going on? Why wasn't the phone charging? Was it the mashed potatoes? I thought I cleaned up. I thought I cleaned it out good enough. You know, I used a little toothpick and I was very careful, little paper towel, and I thought I had all the moisture out and whatever was in the mashed potatoes out of the phone. So in the in the process of maneuvering all these wires, I switched the wire from my car to the house. But as I'm in the car, I'm just because I have a, I have a I bought a, myself a brand new Honda CRV last year. It's a very nice car. Um, it's like the biggest purchase I've ever made, really. Um, but anyway, I have a feature in it called Apple CarPlay. And I love using Apple CarPlay. It's like you, you plug it into your phone. And it's like having a phone right in the screen of your car. You never have to touch your phone. You got all your apps. You could talk on the phone. You got your GPS with the map right in the screen. So you don't have to look down at your phone for the GPS. I love it. But I haven't been able to use it. And I can't figure out why because it keeps disconnecting randomly. If I just touch the phone a little bit, it disconnects. Even if I don't touch the phone, it disconnects. I have not been able to use Apple CarPlay. But long story short, it's because I got mashed potatoes stuck in my phone, because I had to maneuver wires and try new wires... The old, the old Apple, the official old Apple cable, the 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 USB one, uh, the Lightning cable, not the new USB C, because I had been using the USB C adapter to use my phone because it charges quicker in the car. Right. But getting to my point here. Now the CarPlay works because I had to maneuver these wires, and I'm using an old Apple wire, and it works perfectly. So my Apple CarPlay now works just because I got Bob Evans mashed potatoes stuck in the charging port of my phone. So good things happen, Joe. That's all I'm saying. Well, and it's not only that. I was reading a book one time about uh, just about the way we feel about things and the way we can talk ourselves into things that that, 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 that everything's against us and so forth. This is a true story. I, I was reading. I think I think the author was Eckhart Tolle, a, a New Earth or something like that. It was one of those feel better books or whatever. But it was like think differently, change the way you think. Um, there was a story about this guy. It was a true story. Um, who is it got, called How We Decide? I don't. I don't know right now. I, I read the book. I read that. Book. No, it was called um, "A New Earth." Eckhart Tolle, T O L L E. Oh yeah, I think I've actually read some of that too. I, I went through a phase where I was reading tons of books like that. Man, oh, he, he's tremendous. And this thing's about. Uh, it's about fifteen years old at least. This book, "A New Earth." But um, anyway, I digress. I was reading something, and I think that's the book from where this came. But the story is a true story. A guy got into a car accident, and it wasn't that bad, but he got banged up. And he was had damage to his car, and he was in the hospital, uh, not life-threatening, but just banged up. And he was laying there talking about how everything is against him and the, everything that happens to him and all this stuff. And this is out in California. Don't you know 
that night or the night after, he was a couple nights in the hospital, but that night or the night after, there was a mudslide and took out his entire house down a cliff. And it was like three o'clock in the morning when this happened. He would have been done. So sometimes, sometimes we think this is the worst thing that could happen. Why did this happen? Oh my God. So we really don't know. So the word, the, the, the phrase was, or the, the idea was, well, this is the worst thing that can happen in parentheses, in parentheses, not necessarily. So sometimes things happen for the good. And I said this before, I'll say it a million times. There's an old Buddhist saying, and the Buddhist saying is the snow will fall every flake in its rightful place. That means every single snowflake falling out of the sky from hundreds, a hundred thousand feet up even higher falls exactly where it was predetermined to land in other words everything that happens happens for a reason happens the way it was supposed to be and it's a nice way also of accepting things sean and not getting all bent out of shape about things i I was all i was all pissed off i'm like looking up i I have an iphone 13 pro i'm like how much is the iphone 14 pro should i just get a new phone this is going to be crazy to fix i don't have insurance on the phone and i mashed potatoes on my fucking phone and like um, it turned out good though. Now that it worked, you know, it charged, it charges perfectly fine. And also right. the Apple CarPlay works. So it worked out. Another thing I have, another story I have, cause I want, I just want to get over these, get through these stories before we move on to our next segment here. Uh, I got my car. I basically, I bought my car from a deal, a Honda dealership and I get free car washes for life. And I happen to live near the car, the Honda dealership. So, um, I got my car washed before work the other day and then I get to work. My car is all looking nice and everything. Um, and you know, I parked under a tree, not thinking too much about it. Cause there's a lot of trees in the parking lot where I work. And then I go out there and break and there's bird shit all over my car. And it's all, <laughs> it's like, right. It's like, I just got the car washed. That Always day. the way. Yeah. yeah. And like, there was bird shit, like on like the handle, like where, you know, people don't put the keys in anywhere and like turn the key. You have a remote that does that. They still have them on the cars for insurance purposes for backup. And the fucking bird shit got in that little keyhole. And I was really pissed off, but I, you know, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, life, life's not bad right now i got a podcast with my one of my best friends yep um and you know it's just bird shit and i also started thinking like is bird shitting on i know bird shitting on people might be good luck but is bird shitting on a car is that ever known for good luck i don't know but things happen in life right i got my car washed and you know bird shit on it but i also parked under a tree so next time my decision making will be better i won't park under those trees anymore you know what i mean so you learn from things even if it's stupid little things like that you do, and you you also put things in a proper perspective. You know, I work with some folks. There are some adults that are have some um, some mental um, challenges, and some that's fine. And and, and I love them. They they're, they're near and dear to my heart. One of them the other day, last week, had a little portable radio, and she was sitting, and she was she was a little upset, and I'm, I can't mention any names certainly, but um, she was she was a little upset, and I I say hey, what's what's I didn't want to say her name, but I, I said her name and I said, what, what's going on? When she pulled out from her bag, she pulled out her portable radio. And you know, the little part that covers the batteries. Well, yep. that, that was missing. She lost it somewhere. And by walking past her and the way she with her affect and everything, I thought something really happened here. Well, here she was, she was really upset at this, you know, cause she liked her little radio. And I was explaining it to her, look, we're going to find it. Either if we don't find it, we're going to get a piece of duct tape and we're going to put it over that. And the duct tape can come off every time we change the batteries. We can do that. And it's okay. It's not the end of the world and so forth and so on. Eventually, she was able uh, 
to see that. I said, you know, I said, if this is the worst thing that happens to you this week, you're pretty lucky. Think about that. If this is the worst thing that happens to you this week, that's not a bad week, you know, because it's not that big a deal. And she smiled and she understood that, yeah, you know, you are kind of right. And that's even a person with some mental challenges and so forth. And uh, that even they're able to understand this concept. And it's a valuable concept that, um, you know, woe is me all the time. Like, I feel like garbage for the last 10 days and sick and this and that. But I told you one night, I said, let me just shut up because there are people that would, that would give anything to feel just like I feel now. They feel so terrible every day or, or they have, you know, it's that old thing, Sean. And I'm going to, this is all I'm going to say. And I'm going to, I'm going to finish this, 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 my, my part of this segment. It's like the, the guy that said, uh, you know, I was feeling sorry for myself because I had no shoes till I saw a man that had no feet. So. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so I want to quickly ask you a question, Joe. Have you ever seen the movie home alone? Parts of, of all those. I think there okay, so you know the whole story where Kevin, like his parents, they go on a vacation, family vacation. They forgot they leave Kevin at home. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember like how he's like the people try to rob the house. They think the house is empty and he keeps messing with them. Like he, he's acting like people are living there. He's like doing all these things to like prevent them from coming in, like leaving like, you know, sharp things in the ground, heating up the doorknob, that type of thing. Booby traps, basically. Do you, do you remember any of those scenes? Yeah, I, I guess I remember. Okay, because it had, you know, had Joe Pesci. You know, yeah. it was classic. Those guys, they called themselves like the wet. I think they call themselves the wet bandits because when they, they rob people's houses, they leave the water running. So they're, right. they want to be known as the wet bandits. Like that movie's, I'm telling you, bro, you got to watch that again. Where are you going with this, Sean? <laughs> so I'm getting to a point here. Okay. I'm a huge fan of the Howard Stern show and I listen to it religiously. He's still doing his thing. He just turned 69 and the show's still, it's still great. He's such an evolved person. It's so enjoyable to hear like how far he's come with his therapy and his stories and his life and how he's dealing with his dad dying and stuff like that. But anyway, they have these two guys in the show named Richard and Sal. And they basically, their job is just to be pranksters. Like they'll just like prank call people all day and like mess with people around the office and just do these funny things. Um, but one of their new bits really cracked me up. They called it, not necessarily, they didn't call it 911, but they called like some radio show where you just call and people are they take calls and people talk about their concerns and what's going on. So they called the radio show and pretended to be like a kid named Kevin and they played clips from home alone. And like, cause they said their house was being robbed. The kid was like, the people imagine it's like us on the radio and some, some kid calls us and we're trying to help the kid get through this stressful situation. So the kid was trying to, he, was, he basically, they basically reenacted the exact same plot of home alone on the phone. The people didn't know that they were doing that. And they're like, Oh my God, the robbers are outside the house. Okay. Just heated up the doorknob with uh, some fire. And when they touch the doorknob, they're going to burn their hands. Okay, he just burned his hand. Like, and I just left, you know, they're trying to break him now. I just left a bunch of like sharp thumbtacks in the ground. So they'll step on that if they get in, it'll hurt them. They'll want to leave. Like, and they're replaying like the whole, like these sound bites from Home Alone. I thought that was just one of the funniest because they do a lot of funny bits. Um, and I thought that was just extremely clever and unique and funny. Um, I was hoping, Joe, you saw Home Alone, you have more of a connection to it, but. You know, just imagine being like us being a radio show and some some kid calling us. It's a prank call, obviously. And then you're realizing while the kid's talking, like, okay, this is just Home Alone. He's just playing clips from Home Alone. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. So I just wanted to mention that. That is, that is neat. That's neat. All right. I want to get to my Snapple fact. All right. You want to do Snapple? We're going to do Snapple fact later, but let's do it now. Why not? Oh, okay. I wasn't sure of our sequence. I get mixed up sometimes. I wanted to talk a little bit about Jeff Beck and uh, Lisa Marie Presley, but 
Let's do the snapple fact first. Let's get it out of the way, man. What do you got? Yeah, it, it, here it is. It's number 1277. I found it was interesting. There are more tigers owned by American citizens, right, than there are wild, wild in the wilderness on the face of the earth. There are more tigers owned by Americans than there are roaming the wild at this point. Absolutely. That's interesting. I, uh, I, you told me that earlier, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. But it got me thinking, you know, that show Tiger King with Joe Exotic? Um, yeah. I just, you know, there, that guy just had, he's just a random guy who owns a zoo and then had like these tigers. But then I looked it up. Um, yeah, you're right. More tigers owned by Americans. Apparently, there's 10,000 tigers in the United States, and there's few requirements for ownership. Virtually anyone can own, breed, or sell tigers. And I'm like, whoa, like, apparently, like, you know, I think there's there's a thirty dollar license fee, and thirty states. You know, got to remember, there's not a lot of states. Thirty states allow private ownership of predatory exotics like tigers. Um, all you need is the, con- the USDA conservation label form, a thirty dollar license. No, nine states don't even need a license. Anyone could breed, own, and sell tigers. So that's you know, wow. Yeah, I I I, I don't know about you, but I'm not crazy about that at all. Because I'm nervous uh, to the people who own the tigers, they're probably being eaten. How can they not get eaten randomly? You know what I mean? I don't know. I never I, I saw bits and pieces of that 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 show you're talking about, Tiger King or whatever it is down in Tulsa, Joe Tiger or something like Joe that. Exotic, yep. Joe Exotic. That that somehow some one of the, one spouse killed the other and fed them to the damn. I don't know, but I that's bizarre in and of itself. But just the fact, Sean, that there are people, probably a lot more than we even realize, we probably go out for a, a bike ride or a jog along a certain roads and probably don't even realize that maybe several hundred feet from where we're running on the road, you know, especially in these rural areas, there could be people with, with live tigers that they own. And um I just don't like as every once in a while you see on the news that, uh, you know, one of them gets loose here and there. And you want to talk about I'm, people don't. You want to talk about ki- a killing machine? You got a shark in the water, the great white shark in the water, and you've got a tiger or a grizzly bear. And when I say tiger, I mean any big cat, any big cat like that, or a grizzly bear on land. It's a killing machine, and I, the nightmare scenario is one of these things gets loose, and they 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 will they will go yeah, after a dog. That's happened. I mean, I we yeah, I, I belong to some township uh, Facebook groups or towns that I live in or have lived in. And, uh, you know, you'll see people post like, oh, my God, like on the ring doorbell, I saw a bear roaming around. There's beware. There's a bear roaming around. These are towns that are not known for bears. I'm like, these things happen. And like we also have Six Flags Great Adventure in the area uh, and they have a safari. And there's been times where like some of the animals, I believe, have gotten loose. And we're like thinking, like, OK, you yeah. know, imagine just running, imagine running to a fucking wild animal. Like, that's yeah. wild. Exactly. Did you see Harold and Kumar go to White Castle by any chance? Yeah, that one I did. Remember the scene where they're like high as balls and they, they meet like a tiger? I'm pretty sure it was a tiger, right? I, I remember them, them. I remember a couple of, I remember the movie. I, I don't remember a tiger per se, but I remember the movie. It was a big creature. I don't know if it was a lion or for some reason, I think it was a tiger because I remember like the stripes. I don't think it was a lion. But were they, were they seeing that because they were? No, uh, no. I think that they, literally that, they, that happened. They were high as balls. And then at one point, obviously, the movie takes some creative freedoms and uh, they start like, you know, I think they ride the tiger. I don't know if they imagine like, obviously, the movie's like, you know, it's an absurd movie. So you could just, you know, things are not all going to be true. (laughs) So at some point, they're high as hell and they're like riding a tiger to where they have to go or something, if I remember correctly. But yeah. Um, So you heard about Jeff Beth dying, right? 
I did. And what, you know, he was, he was 78. So he lived a pretty long life. All I know about him is that he was considered one of the best guitarists of all time, top 10, but he was never in some big name bands. Like he replaced Clapton in a band called the Yardbirds in like the sixties, but he was with them for a short time. He had some issues where they kicked him out, I think, but um, he's a phenomenal guitarist and it made headline news. And, you know, you said he was kind of influential in the blues scene a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this too because what we were talking about on this show like two weeks ago or whatever when we're, I brought up the the Buddy Guy song and and the fact that the blues were very the blues artists Buddy Guy, Muddy Waters, BB King, Robert Johnson, all those guys were very influential uh, to. The guys that we idolized growing up, your Eric Clapton's, your Keith Richards, your, your, um, you know, your Jeff Beck's, certainly, um, you know, all your, all your, you know, uh, Jimmy Page, all these cats, all these younger cats, they all were influenced by the older guys. So, um, when Jeff Beck, when I heard Jeff Beck died the other day, um, I, I did a little thing with some of the, the folks I work with, um, uh, they like music. They're, they're, they look. They have issues, and they have their certain psychological issues and certain um, cognitive limitations they have. But they also love music, and just like you and I do. And, and uh, so, uh, and some of them can really uh, understand about one. It's one one guy I talk with about all this stuff. He just starts rattling off names. All the, so, what I was doing was I made the connection of, hey, Jeff Beck they died today, and here, let's go on YouTube and let's look at Jeff Beck with over here with BB King uh, about ten years ago, or let's look at this and that because a couple of them used to play the instrument, like the guitar here and there and that kind of thing. So they really ate it up. But I made that connection just the other day. It was ironic, and I made that connection. Um, the one of the reasons why I selected two weeks ago whenever it was why I selected Buddy Guy is I wanted people to realize that there was a, an absolute strong connection between our guitar heroes growing up, you know, all our rock dudes, and but to understand and pay homage to uh, from whence their skills, you know, came. Uh, and that was, um, they had natural ability, but they also realized that the, the fathers of the blues were really, really, pet talented dudes and they went down there was just a beautiful thing because you got a bunch of white bunch of um, um white anglo-saxon or whatever english and so forth guitarists and rock and roll artists going down to the mississippi delta and uh really locking in with african-american men down there who were picking it before they were it's just a total connection um but yeah jeff beck passed away god rest his soul it's unbelievable he was 78 years old and i just can't i just can't it's just it's a reminder how time flies That's and it. how 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 it's it, the, the tiktok tiktok it's ticking you know so and did you hear did you hear about uh lisa marie presley died she was only 54 how do you know she was elvis's only child so she would from the moment she was born it was almost like ro- a royal royalty being born in england like the royal children like prince harry and prince william and all those guys um she was royalty in american culture she was elvis presley's only kid and she you know she was his daughter um she was very attractive. I think she tried, you know, to be a musician at one point. Um, she, she looked to, like she him too, Sean. She looked like Elvis. Yeah, she was following through. She following in his footsteps. His legend. He died when he was forty-two. He died very early. Um, so she had to like live most of her life without a father, and she had to be in the spotlight. Everything she was doing was in the spotlight. You know, she owned Graceland. I think he left Graceland to her. Um, and then she was married to Michael Jackson for like two years. You know, because that guy was one of the biggest pop stars ever. Um, obviously 
he might have been a fucking monster in his personal life, but I digress on that. She was married to him. She was in the spotlight, and now she's dead at 54, and she had a tough life. Her dad died early, and her son was only 27. He killed himself recently. So, um, you know, it wasn't the best ending for her, but um, rest in peace, Lisa Marie Presley. And, Joe, if you have anything to say, you're welcome to. Well, I, the only thing that struck me about her is that that looking at, at, at clips from her, from, from like, you know, the recent clips from her, she looked like hell and she looked like somebody and i'm not saying anything i don't know anything i'm i'm saying she looked like she physically looked like somebody who was struggling with with some kind of substance um abuse or addiction or so she looked like that i'm not saying she was at all yeah, I'm not making any, but I'm saying that one thing I can say is that she looked physically like someone who was now time will tell, I guess. And sometimes, sometimes you have enough money, you can squelch anything, but, um, who knows the old man, um, got, you know, he got hooked on. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that judgmentally people have problems and stuff happens and you, you know, you can't. So, but Elvis certainly had his problems and he, he, he solved them with alcohol and drugs and, and, and things happened and, and his, his health eroded and so forth. And I don't know if she's a chip off the old block. I don't know. But sometimes when people are born with all this money and all this fame and all this stuff, you think they've got it made. But, you know, I, I, seen tragedy fall in 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 that family i've seen tragedy fall in the kennedy family like like nobody's business so i don't know i just don't know sometimes that you know the all the money and fame and everything and and having it easy isn't always a, a cakewalk so god rest her soul though you know and uh yeah rest in peace jeff beck rest in peace lisa marie presley uh, moving on to the living um vincent donofrio I say actor. you say that it's Donofrio. Sorry, I think I think it's because I went. On, I I thought a lot about this. I went on YouTube and like there was like a pronunciation video just for Vincent Donofrio's name. Okay, um, so I think it's, I think it's Donofrio. Well, yeah, I'm going to yield to you because I know you're. I, I I'm going to yield to you if you just if you really researched it that much because it is a different different kind of spelling. Um, but everyone always says Vincent Donofrio, but you're right. The, the his grandfather may say uh. Uh-uh. It's the way you say it over here. And yeah, say it for me one like more time. Don of Frio. Don of Frio. Frio. Okay. Yeah. Let's say it both ways just you in chose, case our, our, yeah. our – go ahead. You chose the actor. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, why did you choose this gentleman? Why? Because he falls into those um, – you know, the falls into those those – Every once in a while is going to be a, a giant and in between. And I say this every show in case someone's just tuning in, they don't know. Um, you got a fence post here and then a hundred feet away, you have another fence post with all those little wickets in between. Uh, those fence posts are, are legends here and another legend a hundred feet down the road and another post in between are these actors that worked their ass off all their career. They never really made it big, but they've been around forever. They made a good living not feeling sorry for them, but they just aren't those top front, you know, and these are actors who, for the most part, you could mention their name and you could say, who is that? And then when you show someone the picture, they go, oh, I know who you're talking about. I just didn't know their name. So he falls into that category and I've always liked him. I've always liked him. I thought he's cool. And he's a big boy too. He's a bigger boy like I am too. No, what I know about him is I've seen him in a ton of stuff. You're going to talk about your top five in a second, but um, he was just a little background. He's born in 1959 in Brooklyn, New York. So he's, he's, I think he's, he's got the New York accent. He's a New Yorker. So he fits those New York roles really well. Um, and he's known as an actor's actor. You know, what people call guys sometimes like he's a guy's guy. He's known yeah. as an actor's actor. 
And what I know is that um, he's very, he can be very intimidating. He can play these roles where he can be a real jerk off an intimidating big guy. You don't want to deal with. Um, and, you know, he started off in theater, but then he, while he was in theater, starting his acting career, he worked as a bodyguard, a bouncer and a delivery man. Now the bodyguard and bouncer makes sense because he, he really leans into that in a lot of his roles. He gets a lot of roles where he plays a big intimidating guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, you have your top five. So what are you thinking for the top five, Joe? Okay. The top five is actually a movie he did. It was only a couple of years ago. Um, I saw a good portion of it. It was good. He was a detective in this movie. And my man, Ed Harris, was in this movie, too, ironically enough. And I'm going to do Ed Harris one night, too, down the road eventually. Um, but Ed Harris is the same type of actor. But the movie was called Run All Night. It was about you know, five years ago, maybe, or whatever, three years ago, whatever. But it, it was a good movie. He plays a, a, a detective in that movie. And uh, like I said, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting movie. Um yeah, I think uh, Ed Harris. Ed Harris is in it, and so is Liam Neeson. Um, he's yeah, all, he's yeah. in a action movie. So yeah, he and it gets involved with organized crime, and all of a sudden, and any time I watch those movies with organized crime, you get scared. Like you know, it's scary. Like you cross up the wrong person, and uh oh. So it was one of those movies. It was probably maybe his least, but that's why it's five. Four is he played in the movie JFK way back in the day. He played. Um, Bill Newman. Bill Newman was a prime. To this day, he's still alive. He was a plumber in 1964, and the last the last anyone heard of him, he's still a plumber. Um, And it doesn't work as as often, but he was an eyewitness to the the shooting, and he is one of those witnesses who laid down his testimony, and his testimony is impeccable. Everyone's tried to to poke holes in it. No one can poke holes in it, and he suggests, he insists that one of those bullets, at least one of those bullets, at least one of those bullets came from in front of John Kennedy, i.e. the grassy knoll. So he played that character in that movie, JFK, uh, in 1993, it was 1991 or something, but it was a damn good movie. And he played a significant, not major, but a significant role. I liked him in the movie because I liked that story, too, um, because I don't think we're I don't know if we're ever going to know what really went down there. Number three, I'm just going to put um, he played a detective in Law and Order Criminal Intent and his time there. I thought he was pretty cool in that stuff too. You talk about a New Yorker and I thought he was, I thought he was, I thought he was really cool in, in all those uh, TV. And that's, that's not just a TV series. Law and order has, I think it holds the record for consecutive series, Sean. I think this is 25, 26, 27 years. This thing's been running. Yep. They have all different variations and all the new versions of it. It's always, you know, constantly constantly expanding the law and order universe it seems like and it's tremendous if you ever get in the mood to binge those things you could sit there all day you could sit there for 12 hours 14 hours anyway i digress number two (laughs) who could ever forget men in black um the big bug guy uh i think his name was edgar in the movie but he was the big bug in uh, men in black he was the big guy in the overalls that came out and who oh, no one oh, could get yeah yeah i didn't realize that was him wow <laughs> that's him yes and it was a good it was it was interesting you know it was it was a good i, I liked him there 
Number one, and, and, and you could probably, you know, number one is a movie. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to make a bold statement right here and right now. Number one, he played in a movie and he led the scene. And I think this scene is one of the most profound, shocking, heart-stopping, surprising scenes that I've, it's not happy, but it's a scene that I think is the most, one of the most profound I've ever seen anywhere on video. That scene is in a movie. And the movie is called Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket is about the Vietnam War. Vincent D'Onofrio gained, uh, I think, 40 or 45, maybe 50 pounds, they said, to do that movie because he's playing the role of a big, awkward, because Vince, normally he's big, but he's in pretty good shape. He's not roly-poly well in order to play this character which was a big awkward uh for lack of a better term like goofy type of big and you know clumsy type of 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 plays private pile right private pile sort of like a like a private pile his character in the movie i believe is private pile right yeah. And that, that's that's right. I forgot his actual name. But ironically, you say that, but he's sort of like a Gomer Pyle type, right? And from, but he's he's always clumsy. He's not doesn't put his rifle together right. He always and he always costs the uh, platoon like you know uh, early bed or something like that because of his mistakes. And it was one of the most, it, it was a scene earlier where they, they lumped him up one night and I felt so bad for the, 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 and anyway, his life was hell because he was taking all kinds of stuff from his other, you know, fellow soldiers for always goofing up. And his sergeant was one of the most miserable sons of bitches I've ever seen in my life. The actor, the actor played a good role because I wanted to strangle this son of a bitch. Really, I mean, you just, you know, I wouldn't obviously wouldn't, you know, but I mean, he was a, he was a real bastard. Anyway, uh, cut to the chase. The scene that I'm telling you is it starts in the, in, in a Marine barracks. It's dark. It's three o'clock in the morning. And one guy, Joker, <laughs> my man joker wakes up because vince d'onofrio's character is sitting in the john and he says he's screaming at the top of his songs this is my rifle it is a standard rifle given yep. to me by and he's going through this whole thing that, that he is, would normally- uh, jack really quick i want to continue yes. with this uh, i'll let you continue sorry for um he's he's yeah he's, he's sitting there at the gun like because they have to have this full process well, not yet don't, don't mention the gun no, yet, i'm not gonna though. mention that but <laughs> the guy says to him is he looked one of his one of his like uh other military you know people that he's with not yet um, though sean i want to get there is, i want to get there are you gonna say i'm the part where he says you yes you know, you're i'm gonna get there let me okay. get there I, good, you know, good. So, i'm glad this is so why you're my co-host because you know what <laughs> you know what the hell works here so, i okay. love you bro but let me let me let, okay, let, let, okay if i don't hit it then you can hit it but anyway he, he's he's chirping at three o'clock in the morning sitting on the on in you know on on a toilet amongst several you know toilets lined up it's a marine barracks but his his buddy the guy looking out for him joker hears him and he goes running into where the you know where the toilets are and he's sitting there and he's sitting there in his underwear d'onofrio is with his rifle and he's just got this weird look on his face and his buddy runs in and says hey 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 man what are you doing? You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. And all of a sudden, by now, the sergeant, this real nasty bastard, he he comes running in. And he says to Denafra, you better hand that rifle over there. I'm going to do the And he turns and he looks at him as this drill sergeant is yelling at him at the top of his lungs. He takes his rifle. 
and he puts a bunch of holes into into the sergeant and the sergeant drops and his buddy is now sitting there thinking oh my god am i next and he says hey hey listen don't relax you can still get you you listen don't do he says i want to tell you something put the rifle down or you're going to be living in a world of shit and he looks at him and says i am living in a world of shit that's, that's, and he takes the gun sean hold he takes the gun puts it to his own chin and oof, and i'm gonna tell you it's graphic you know yeah, in the movie that's why i wanted i knew I, I had a feeling you were going there but i wanted to i just watched that scene today mm-hmm. um basically be, you're right on everything but before the before the the sergeant the drill sergeant comes in um they have a little conversation him and that guy and he says you look like you're in a world of shit uh, you're no, you're you're about to be in a world of shit, and then that's when he turns to him, like he just said. He says, "I am in a world of shit." So he says that before he shoots the the sergeant. But you're dead on with everything else. Um, you know, it's been a while. I literally just watched the scene today. I wouldn't have known otherwise. But okay, he wow. says I. He says that I'm in a world of shit. Right? You know, he killed. You know, before he kills the sergeant. So that was okay. And that's fine, Joe, because I haven't actually seen the damn thing in about 15 years. So that's yeah. not bad. My memory. You have is a not great memory, bad. though. You have a great memory, you know, because like. And I appreciate you holding up there for a second. Let me let me get that out. You know, yeah, because I, I wanted to make sure you got that in because that that was very like that was that scene was like whoa, you know. Well, those words are pretty. You're, yeah, they're about yeah. to be in a world of shit. And he's like, he looks at him. I am in a world that like people are going through hell sometimes. Like, you know, I'm about to be. In, I'm already in a world of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the look in his eye. I mean, he played that off really well too. Yep. He was, it was, and he says when when he first come walking in, he goes, "Hi, Joker," like that. And you could tell, whoa, something's different here. Yep. Um, and, but that that was Sean. I'm telling you, in all the movies I've ever seen anywhere, because normally with these movies, what happens there is it comes really, really, really close. But okay, he lays the weapon down, and everybody, you know, you know how the you've seen it a million times on the screen. You weren't expecting that. And then that, and then the double whammies when he took himself out, and th- it was there, there were there was matter all over the place, and you could see that. That was one of the, the one of the most unforgettable scenes I've ever seen in my life. Yep. So, yeah, so anyway, let, I like your top five. I have a I didn't really do a top five. I picked up some movies that he was in that I liked that I saw. One movie that I liked because I've seen. I started. I went down a rabbit hole. I saw this movie called Death Wish from 2018 with Bruce Willis, and he's in it too. He plays. Bruce Willis plays Paul Kersey. Um, but that was originally played in the whole franchise. There's a whole franchise of Death Wish mo- type movies. I think there was. Pretty, yeah, pretty sure there was, there was like 10, five Death Wishes. Um, Charles Bronson was a famous actor. He he played um, yeah. Paul, Paul Kersey in all these movies. Um, it's a classic story. Like, you know, someone close to him is, gets killed and he turns into like, a normal guy into a vigilante. But Donna Frio was in that. Um, I think he played Kersey's brother in that. But he was also in another movie called The Judge, um, which is very good. Escape Plan. The break. He was in a comedy movie with a breakup with uh, Vincent Vaughn. So he got range. He plays. Some, he was in some comedy movies too. He indeed does. Uh, and he's been imposter. A movie called Imposter with Gary Sinise. Um, Adventures in Babysitting. That movie was classic. Adventures in Babysitting. I believe it's from 1987. Um, but anyway, he's been in a lot of movies, and I'm glad you chose him because he's kind of off people's radars. But he's a very intimidating type of character. We can, you fit him in these roles where he can be. You know, he could strong arm you, right? With his words and his actions, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm ha- thank you for choosing that for sure, man. No problem. Um, thank you. I want to I want to move on to our segment, uh, unless you have anything more to say about Vincent. No, um, I'm good. Real versus news fakes fake real versus fake news story segment we got here. 
Uh, so I'm going to give you three stories, Joe. You got to pick out. You got to pick out the real one. There's two fake and one real. All right, and I'm going to have some stories for you too soon. So we'll 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 go. We'll okay. We'll do this tonight. It's your turn now. But go ahead. Okay. So uh, first story that I read, uh, we talked about this recently. The show Cheers, because Kirstie Alley was on Cheers. They're remaking Cheers, uh, so that should be pretty cool. Uh, second story is uh, Prince Harry, the one married to Meghan Markle, who like they kind of separated from the royal family. Um, he says psychedelics have helped him with PTSD and grief. Imagine like a royal family member taking like psychedelics. You're like, oh, I didn't know they were allowed to do that. Um, and then the other story is states are going to limit the amount of scratch off lottery tickets you can buy at once. So you can't just walk into a store and say, I want 10 scratch offs. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to cap you at a certain, I think this is crazy. Why don't they let people just you know, buy a lottery tickets? Right. So, okay. you know, what do you think's real? What do you think's fake? There's two fake and one real. Okay, so I don't buy the Cheers thing. I just don't. I don't know why. I don't. That leaves me between Prince Harry and they're limiting the lottery tickets. I'm going to have to say that um, I would believe that Prince had, because I, I heard recently of some story about how he had a lot of, uh, you know, his mom passing at an early age. And then he was he was in combat and he, he actually took the lives of a few people in combat. That's got to mess with you psychologically. And the fact that he doesn't have to report to a daily job like, you know, from eight to eight to four or nine to five that he could. It's possible that he could, you know, experiment with whatever he wanted to experiment with. So I'm going to say that the true story is the true. And look, I don't know, but the, I'll say the true story is the true story about him. Ding, ding, ding. You are correct. Okay. Uh, I think you're three for three. We've done the segment three times and you've been pretty accurate each time. You know, no, I think I got it wrong the second time. I think I'm, I'm, no, you got it right, man. I got this one right, but this you is the third time. I think Terrell, I got Terrell, one of them the second one. The second one was last episode, I believe. Um, Terrell Owens making a comeback. You got that. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So you got a good, you're using logic and I like how you explain yourself. People can really get in your brain and see how, hear your thought process. Um, you really explained it well about the possibility that Prince Harry, you know, he, he could have experimented with drugs. You got to think things through. I, I like to think aloud when I have something like that. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, that actually connects to perfectly to our current event. Cause the current event that I chose um, today it was actually about Prince Harry. It's about him using psychedelic drugs and the whole, the whole idea of uh, treating extreme grief with psychedelics. So in Prince Harry's new memoir, this is an article from New York Times, but he wrote a new memoir. He talks about taking psychedelics to deal with the ongoing pain of his of his mother, uh, Princess Diana. Obviously, she died in a car accident in the nineties. Um, so you know, he included a video of himself. He undergo he's undergoing something called EMDR. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. It helps people with post-traumatic stress disorder cope with triggering memories. Yeah. Um, and at the center of it, obviously, the death of his mom, mother and being famous all those years. He was only 12 when she died. Um, he said these these mind-altering drugs, you know, there's been research, they they can treat depression and other mental health disorders. It's still illegal in most in most places, um, but there's underground sessions, there's a broad you can go abroad for it, there's clinical trial trials. Um, but there's scant evidence that it's, it's a psilocybin. It's a psychoactive ingredient in hallucinogenic mushrooms. Um, that might be, there's, there's scant evidence. I use the word scant. There's not a lot of evidence so far, but they can be used to treat, uh, process grief and trauma. Um, cause they're saying 
Um, grief is not a mental illness. It's a normal human experience that comes after a loss of a loved one. And tons of people are losing their loved ones. And there's a lot of sadness, anger, and disbelief when a person dies. Um, you want to, you want to see what, what can help you. A lot of people get really sad and depressed that grief is tough. And, and there's something called prolonged grief and people with prolonged grief. They feel like life has lost its meaning and a part of themselves has also died and they have intense emotional pain and they feel psychological overlap, uh, numbness. Um, so, you know, about 10% of people mourning a loved one develop prolonged grief and they have a higher risk of death suddenly or traumatically. Um, if they have the prolonged grief. So, you know, we talked about Lisa Marie Presley. She might've had prolonged grief too from her dad dying. You never know. But Prince Harry, we're talking about this article, how he, you know, his mother died when he was 12 and she was obviously famous as a princess. Um, but, you know, people live with the grief and they usually deal with it in waves and they deal with it. But sometimes prolonged grief is not it's tougher to deal with. But um, psycho psychedelics can kind of act as in a very intense, fast psychotherapy Um so they can feel like people, they can, it can put you in a, a, a state of like consciousness and you feel like you're very connected to your deceased uh, person who died. Um, and they think psychedel- psychedelics can induce something called a plastic state. It helps rapidly form new connections between cells. So that's amazing. Like it could be actually physically healing your brain just by taking these psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can reconstruct your identity. Um, and, you know, reconstruct these past traumas and make, make your life more flexible and growth oriented after you experiment with these psychedelics. So, you know, a person that's such a high profile, profile person as Prince Harry talking about this, it just gets it out in the open and get, and people start looking into this. Wow. Can, you know, can I, can I, cause they call it microdosing, right? So microdosing is basically when you take a fraction, you don't get the psychedelic effects. You don't get high. Um, you, you take a fraction much lower than, you know, you would take to get high. Um, and, you know, take an LSD or the, the psilocybin, the, the ingredient in, in uh, mushrooms, but apparently um, it can really help with uh, with grief. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And um, what do you think about that? Do you think there's anything to it? think that we should research this more? You know, this could be more of a mainstream thing that could help people deal with grief and whatnot by microdosing and taking psychedelics because they're, you know. We don't have to use them just to get high. We could use them to heal ourselves. Sure. Well, it's the same thing where, you know, what we have to do, first thing we have to do is get rid of our instant, our instant, the instant pictures that we draw, the neuro association that we draw right away to something that says, oh, no, like, uh, the, like with cannabis, with cannabis and, and so forth and, and, and so on. I mean, it's legal now, folks. It's legal. And I could, I could just tell you as someone, um, Who's 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 uh, treated pain with opiates and have tried treating pain with with um, you know cannabis, not not smoking or anything like that, but the, the little edible type things. I once in a while I they're legal. It's legal now, right? So you pay attention to what you're doing. But you, I tried that for pain, and I'm going to tell you, it softens muscles up. And does it give you a nice little thing like maybe you had a couple of drinks? Fine, but liquor stores are still open too aren't they so i mean if you could stay home or do the right thing and the same thing here is why i'm I'm trying to the same thing here with this people there's nothing the people there's nothing worse than being feeling like you don't want to go on there's nothing worse than feeling like like you like like D'Onofrio said, like you're living in a world of shit. Like everything is horrible. You're hurting so bad that you you wish sometimes you could lay down and go to sleep and just not wake up. 
you know, you just wonder what, what it's all about. When you get that bad and grief gets that bad, no one should have to suffer that way if, it, if you know, if they don't have to. And if there's anything around, whether it's a hallucinogenic drug or whatever it is, um, yes, you have to understand, too, those mushrooms that grow on the ground, they grow on the ground. They're natural. Um, you know, the, 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 the cannabis grows from the ground. Who's to say the creator or the divine engineer that put all this together didn't put it there for us to to use exactly the way we're using it. Who knows? You know, it's not like exactly. Exactly. so. So it's part of the whole plan. It's like, here, guys, I'm going to put this here to make things a little more comfortable. You'll figure out what to do. I know you're going to figure out what to do with it, right? Um, so I don't know, but what I do know is I'm all for it, especially what you're talking about, is it's being done in a clinical setting, very carefully, very strategically, uh, yes, they're doing some concurrent research with this as they're doing it, but I've, I've seen shows even a year or two ago about this. This isn't just brand new. So yes, if there's any way, if there's any way you can help people who are feeling really bad, um, absolutely. And, um, you know, if it's done right, yes. Yeah. And that gets me to my next point. We're doing a the Brian Koberger segment just to give updates on this monster, potential monster who killed four uh, Idaho University of Idaho students. Um, we talk about people dealing with grief and pain and they react to some people kill other people. Some people kill themselves. Uh, apparently this guy, we don't know if he's a sociopath, but we talked about last episode about sociopaths, how they don't really feel rem- emotion and remorse right. uh, they to fake it. Um, apparently that he was in the police car. He told the police that he was sad. Um, do you think that was him just kind of acting? He's just like, Oh, I'm very sad. What happened? Sure. Cause he, I mean, you know, and, and that's, like I said, they, they, they get so good at that, that little, that little, geez, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel. I'm supposed to feel that boom. And they get so good at it that it's, it's hard to perceive, like just looking at them, but that's what they do. And he sitting in there, he probably had all kinds of time to think, okay, what should I say? Okay, I'll say this. And, you know, and, and, you know, it's funny. People can say a lot of things, you know, it's like that old, it's like that old saying, I can't hear a word you're saying because your actions are so loud. I re, I hearken back to this case and I'm, I'm not going to be, I hearken back to this case and it was in, unconscionable. It was inconscionable. Uh, what this woman did, she drove her two little baby boys into a lake and left them and, and, and abandoned the vehicle. And those poor kids drowned. And she was standing there a couple hours later, going, if talking into the camera, right? Talking into the camera, talking to her boys that if they were out there. And she's going, your, your mama loves you and she's looking for you. And this monster three hours before this drowned her boys. Okay. Yep. And she's, she's doing all this crime stuff on the TV with the microphone in front of her, but never a drop of tear. So that whole thing with the, my voice is breaking up and I miss you so much. You would think there's, there's going to be something. And the, the police even said that that's one thing they look for people with the crocodile tear with the fake, you know, yep. and, and, but if you're, if, if you're, if your voice is cracking that much and you're that, and your breathing is altered that much, there's going to be at least a tear or two. It was nothing. It was all, it was all genuine. And the FBI and people like that, they're, that's just one little thing they look for. They can tell by your affect and by a lot of things and inconsistencies. So anyway, um, I just, I, I, I take it from there and I just look over to here that he was probably looking at them 
with this blank, goofy look that you see him with the TV on all the, and he says, oh, I'm really sad. Yep. Oh yeah. You look sad, dude. You know, okay. Cause we talked about like people who like deal with like emotion and pain and uh, you know, the guy in full metal jacket, uh, private pile, D'Onofrio's character, yep. um, you know, Prince Harry dealing with his grief and using drugs to, you know, experiment to improve his brain and deal with the emotions. But apparently this guy Koberger, like he was bullied in high school by a lot of popular girls. He was a chubby, awkward misfit misfit. Um, he left love letters for girls and telling her girls he liked her and stuff. And, you know, um, the girl didn't give him the time of the day and he was bullied by a lot of girls. And then that was in middle school. And then high school, he got himself in the shape. He turned his life around. He, he started boxing, lost weight. Apparently he was a different person. Uh, but then he said he was yeah, working yeah. out constantly. He was kind of aggressive. He had a short fuse and was constantly trying to change his style and personality to fit in with clicks. So this oh, young man had a lot of mental struggles and, you know, got bullied and stuff. And apparently like in class, um, when he would be in class for his criminal, he was at his PhD at Washington state for criminology, I think become a criminal criminal criminologist. Um, apparently like he would like really like, just like disrespect girls in class. Like he would just like, he wouldn't like respect what they were saying. And he would kind of like talk down to them. This is just people's hearsay type of stuff, but you know, he's, you know, if he's a sociopath and he's a crazy lunatic killer, um, that's horrible. But if he was a, a person who got bullied repeatedly in high school and didn't fit in, and then he like had a thing against women, and then one day he like took his anger out and killed people, stabbed them to death. That's also sad because we really need to help people around us. And um, he could have, you know, it sounded like he started to like do the right things in high school by working out and getting getting in shape and trying to improve himself naturally. But you know, the idea of him studying to become a criminologist and figure out how criminals work. Um, is he wanted to help people like criminals apparently, but then he goes out and kills four people, stabs them to death. Like that's horrible. So, you know, you never know what people are going through, but certainly not the right answer to, to, to use violence to, to get your anger out. Right. Cause you're ruining other people's lives and you're, you know, you're forever infamous in history for being a fucking monster. Yeah. I mean, look, we all have, and it's just a minute ago, I thought I lost my mic. So I don't know if, if you heard me or not, but I was like, are you there? <laughs> I, I thought I lost my mic and it was my mistake if I did. Anyway, I'm back now. Everything's good. Um, we all have, we all have things in life that, that, that are really, um, bothersome and, and pain that we go through. Uh, but there's nothing. There's nothing. Okay, he wasn't as popular. Meeting ladies was tough for him, and he was socially awkward or whatever. That's all fine. That's that's that happens. It's life, but that's not a reason to to do this kind of a, you know. I don't. No excuse. There's nothing. There's really. There's really nothing to go take an innocent individual that has nothing to do with you or your pain just because they don't have that pain. It would be like someone who can't, who's never been part of a couple or anything like that, and going around and killing couples because they hooked up and he never did. That's it. That's the most ridiculous. That's sickening. Look. You you do what you have to do, and there's you know eventually or whatever happens happens. But you know we all have pain, we all have uh, crosses to bear, and that's it. You don't go to some innocent person. There's nothing that justifies that ever anywhere. It's it's unforgivable. Well said. Uh, let's move on to better topics. Uh, sports um, right now. Now the Chargers are playing the Jags and Joe, I don't know if you know this, but Trevor Lawrence is four for 16 with 30 yards and four interceptions in the first half. It's not even over, man. It's kind of sad. It's his first playoff start. He's 
supposed to be the, the top ranked quarterback this year. He was coming into his own. He had a bad rookie year, but uh, yeah, four for 16 for 30 yards and four interceptions in the first half versus the chargers at home. He's at home. He's playing in Jacksonville. Wow. Um, 27, nothing right now. Uh, not looking good for the Jags and some of the analysts on, uh, on uh, NBC before the game, like I think like four of them, uh, four out of like the seven analysts who like predicted, um, pr- picked the Jags. So obviously, you know, they could come back. You never know. The Vikings came back from, you know, being down 33 nothing to the Colts this year. But, um, you know, Herbert's 14 for 22 for 130 yards and a touchdown. I think Herbert has some playoff experience, but um, yeah, not looking good for, for the Jags right now. But I want to quickly talk about my bad gambling beats. I had good ones today, but I want to talk about the bad ones first. Um, so the other night I put money on the Mavericks to uh it was negative 4.5 so they had to win by 5 points. Um they were losing to the Lakers late in the fourth quarter then Luka Doncic hit a game tying three-pointer. Then they did the same thing in overtime but I still didn't win the bet cuz I needed them to win to to win by at least 5 points. So they get the double overtime, the Mavericks are up by 4 points, the Lakers shoot a three-pointer with 10 seconds left they missed the three-pointer. And instead of immediately fouling just to make the Mavericks go back to the foul line, you know, to, to, you know, so they still have a right. chance. There's still seven seconds left. There could be miracles. You never know. The Lakers choose not to foul. So the Mavericks win by four points. I lose my bet by 0.5 points. I had like 25 bucks in the game. Oh. Ruined my whole night. I stayed up to watch fucking double overtime at Lakers Mavs. And it was, I wanted to watch something else. And I was like, when is this game going to end? I want to win my bet. Anyway, that was a bad beat. Then another bad beat happened. I had Julius. This one's more out of my control. I had Julius Randle on the Knicks. Uh, I had Jalen Brunson over 19 points. I had Julius Randle um, at the Knicks negative four and a half points uh, versus the Wizards. Or it was three and a half or four and a half. And I had Julius Randle hitting three threes. Now I looked at his recent games. He, you know, he usually shoots at least like eight threes a game, and he makes at least three. So I'm like, oh, he can, he can, you know, all I needed was over 2.5. Anyway, long story short is he only hit two threes. He missed the, uh, the rest of my parlay hit. Brunson had like over 30 points. Brunson's been a tear. Brunson's averaging since the all-star, since the Christmas break, I believe Brunson in the new year, Brunson's averaging over 33 points a game. That's my villain love a guy. So I'm very proud of him. But Julius Randle didn't hit the other threes. So I lost that. But I think the, the other Mavs bet was more of a bad, bad worst beat because, you know, there was more control with the Lakers. They logically, the Lakers should have fouled and the Mavericks should have, should have gone to the foul line and the Mavericks should have won by about six points, at least five points. So that was a bad beat. The Julius Randle not hitting threes was a bad beat. But then today I had some good beats. I'll talk about the positive things too. Um, today I had a parlay where I needed um, DK Metcalf to get 59.5 yards, so 60 yards receiving. And I needed um, the running back, uh, from the from the Seahawks, Kenneth Walker is an excellent young running back to get sixty yards too, fifty nine point five yards. And I needed um, I needed Christian McCaffrey to score a touchdown. So McCaffrey scored early. I was like, okay, I can breathe now. Metcalf got over you know ninety yards early, so I had that one because all I needed him to get sixty yards. But then Kenneth Walker had fifty six yards in the third quarter. So I'm thinking all he needs is four more damn yards. So I'm stressing about my work. I'm stressing about it. I'm like, just get four yards because Pete Carroll put. The backup in DJ Dallison. I'm like, why are they, you know, they're losing. I'm like, why don't they put, keep Walker? I know you got to keep your backs healthy, but he's got momentum. Keep Kenneth Walker in. So anyway, he was stuck at 56 yards until like the last two minutes of the game. So my friend at work comes up to me. I'm all disappointed. I'm like, you know, I couldn't get four more yards. What the hell is Pete Carroll doing? And he shows me the, the most recent play. It's like Kenneth Walker rushes for six yards. I'm like, oh, thank God. So 
I won my bet. Kenneth Walker got the yards he needed. All right, good. So I had bad beats and I had good beats. That's that's the highs and lows of gambling, man. That's what makes gambling fun. You're addicted to like the you're in, you have some action. You got some skin in the game. Even if it's for five bucks, you just want to win your bet, especially if you're competitive. Um, so those are my good and bad beats. We'll do sports quickly because the show's gone a little bit longer. Our, our sweet spot's about an hour. The show's been a little bit over an hour. Um, Eagles are, have a bye week, Joe. So not, we, have, we can talk about. We're going to do another episode on Monday or Tuesday. So we'll talk about the Eagles' upcoming game and their upcoming opponent. Right. Cowboys are playing Monday night versus Brady. Um, as far as playoffs go, you know the Seahawks beat the the Seahawks lost to the 49ers. Today. The 49ers. It was close. It was twenty three to seventeen. The Seahawks had the ball at the goal line, and the, G, Geno Smith fumbled the ball, and the 49ers got the ball back. And the next like three possessions, the 49ers scored touchdowns that to break the game wide open. So they won by, you know, 18 points. Um, That's what's a your scary thoughts, team. What's your thoughts about the playoffs so far? You have any, you have anything, you know, what are your, any, yeah, I'll run it down to you real quick. We okay. are, uh, I haven't seen my football team in a month because I don't know who, who they've been for the last four weeks. They better wake up, right? And, and they better wake up and wake up fast and get healthy and get healthy fast. Otherwise, they're not going to be around long. If they start playing like they played a month ago, they can beat anybody. If they play the way they played the last three, four weeks, they're going to be out of here in a hurry. The San Francisco 49ers are a dangerous team. Uh, the Cowboys, I don't like them, but I think they're a better team than Tampa. And I think what are the uh, Brady effect though? The, what the Tom Brady effect? You don't think he's never lost to the Cowboys? It's on Monday night. It's prime time. You can spoil the Cowboys' whole season because the Bucks haven't had a great year. They're, they're playing kind of spoiler. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I keep talking. I, I, that's yeah. all good stuff, and I hope it happens. But I don't think it will. I think okay. the Cowboys are better football. Cowboys team. win. Okay. I, I like, like, I like the, what you think. I don't, I don't, are you trying to jinx the Cowboys secretly though? I'm really not, um, <laughs> because I don't. I, I'd rather just not even deal with it. But if you asked me. If you ask me who I'd rather play, I think I probably would. Like you just said, I'd rather play this Dak than play Tom because the guy's done it. You can have him down by by eighteen points with four minutes left, and he could still beat you. So it's really weird. Um, um, so I, but I, I think Dallas. I, you know, look, Tampa Bay's been really lousy all year long with a couple of big wins here or there. Um, they're defensively, they're nothing like they used to be. So Dallas is going to be able to score on them. And you turn it around, can, um, so can uh, Tom Brady and his offense, who struggled all year as well. That Dallas defense is is not bad. They have a pretty good pass rush. Uh, they don't cover really well, but if they if you get home. It doesn't matter. And the one thing you can do with Brady is he doesn't move around enough. So if you get a pass rush on him, it could be a long day. Um, I look for the Cowboys to win. I just think they're a better team. Um, and if they don't, that's cool too. It doesn't bother me as an Eagles fan. It doesn't bother me. Um, but what I'm hoping to see is the jump calling it right now, the giants to win over. Uh, and it's basically just, it's, it's a one thing. I want it so much. I'm going to pick it. I want the giants to beat, um, the Vikings, who who really are nowhere near, nowhere freaking near as good as their uh, deceptive record, okay? They're not. They're a good football team, but they are nowhere near as good as their record, and I'll give a damn what Bill Parcell said, okay? Um, they're not as good as their record, and I think the Giants can certainly go in there and win, and I'm calling them to do it right now by five points. So there it is. All right, cool. So you got your predictions. Um, tomorrow's going to be, come on, we have to admit as, as sports fans, we're oh. pretty spoiled. Tomorrow we got a full day of football, man. Oh, come on. and next playoff week. football at that. 
next week, dude. That is the best week of playoff. It is, but they're wild card. But wild card weekend's pretty cool. Wild's cool, but that divisional round is, and the championship Sunday's great too. But that divisional round is just one game after the other. And I don't think I don't think Lamar Jackson's playing versus the Bengals. I'm kind of surprised at that. Like you know, I think he would be. I don't know what his injury is, um, but to not play versus the Bengals in prime time or the playoffs, like he, you know, he's got he hasn't gotten the contract yet. But I can't help but think that you know he's he's looking out for himself because he wants to get that contract. He's not helping the team out, you know. Well, to me, um, I, I just again, um. That kind of quarterback just doesn't win Super Bowls, man. And I could say, well, you got one tear of Philadelphia. Jalen has really turned himself into a, a, a pocket passer. He really has. He'll he'll do some he'll do some scheduled runs and this and that. But when it comes time to say, okay, Hurts, we're going to put leave you in the pocket and you're going to have to beat us from the pocket. So far this year, he's going okay. I will, and he's done it. So, um, yes, he's athletic, but this other guy, this Joker from the the Ravens, I don't. I think he just falls into that the the scrap heap of yeah, of my, all my, your the other. Point I'm trying to make is like it's a big know. game, it's a playoff game. He has a PCL injury. He's, he's got a grade two sprain that he did week thirteen versus the Broncos. Yeah, but he's selfish, is what you're saying. I know. I'm not trying to say Lamar is selfish, and I understand the financial implications, right? If he gets you know hurt in this big game, you know he might not be because he's he's up for probably a two hundred million dollar contract, right? So obviously there's a lot of money in the line and he is kind of a running quarterback. So he's, he's kind of, you know, he's more susceptible, susceptible to injury, but to not play in primetime versus the right, the Bengals are one of their rivals. Dude, you know what Um, makes me sick? Do you know what makes me sick, Sean? These men, they are the best in the world at what they do and they should certainly be paid accordingly. But when you start talking about millions and millions and then hundreds, tens of millions is one thing, but hundreds of millions of dollars and they still want to bicker, you you, you jerk-offs make me sick. You really, really do. And they'll come out with this stuff, oh, I have to feed my family. What the hell are you feeding them? I mean, come on now. you got to feed your family. Your family's not going to start. If you make $40 million instead of 90 your poor family, they have to get by on $40 million. Kiss my ass. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. What if, what, if they're feeding, what if they're feeding their families tigers? There's obviously a lot of tigers in America. <laughs> but you know what I mean, Sean? I mean, when you get into these, these life-changing money that these guys make, and they're pissed off because, no, man – they want to give me they want to give me 90 million and and uh, I'm worth 140 million yeah. what the hell are you talking about we're talking about, about we're talking earlier about perspective and how these these Make clams and uh, cockles these cockles and clams and stuff and you know the song Molly Malone and like people <laughs> used to get up early in the morning and get their food and then go to work all day and break their backs yes. and these guys are getting they put it in the perspective i love sports I'm, I'm sports is like a huge part of my life uh, so much respect for these athletes. A lot of them can put it in perspective, but, but they're making but, millions of dollars to play a game they love. And like, you know, the people, the ancestors and people before them were breaking their backs and we made it all possible to have professional sports in this country. Um, just, you know, they're rich. Just realize you're rich and just, you know, invest wisely and save their money the rest of your life. You never, you never have to work a day in your life after you retire, really. You thank know? you. And you can live, you're going to live like a king. You're going to be rich for the rest of your life and your offspring are going to be rich for the rest of their lives. This is generational life changing money that you have. Once you get over the 10, 15 million dollar, 10 or 15 million. Now to these guys, they may bicker that I'm I, 10 over that 10 or 15 million that we think is, is life changing money, 10 or 15 million. They may make a hundred million and they're pissed off. 
that they're not making 180 million. I mean, and then they'll, they'll always run it by and try to do the thing where, how, well, how can I, how can I, how can I criticize a guy that just wants, he just wants to feed his family and they, they hide behind it. I got to feed my family. Hey, listen, jerk off. Okay. You're the best <laughs> at what you do. You should be making a lot of money. You've already made life, life changing money as it is. Don't sell me this horse shit about your kids not going to be able and to you eat. You notice oatmeal. another thing that, other, not to interrupt you because you're Jesus going, you Christ. got yourself ste- Excuse going me, down Jesus a hill there. for using your name in but, vain, but that, that, um, that irritates me no end. I'm sorry, Sean. Go ahead. Um, when they get contracts, a lot of these guys get huge contracts and they're never the same player. What do you think about that? They're in like, they're, that's, that's, that's an important thing too. I you mean, need the carrot and the stick, you need some motivation. They got their financial motivations kind of gone and they kind of lose their fire within the fire that's within them. They kept them going in the first place. It's, it, it, it's just the whole notion. And then, yeah, like Russell Wilson, but it's just the whole notion of, you know, I mean, guys, don't you realize and I think at some point, it's not even about the money. It's just an ego thing. I think it's just an ego thing that, you know, oh, yeah, I caught this many passes last year and this many yards. And this joker on the other team, he hasn't had my stats. And he's making, you know, 60 more million dollars, 60 more million than I am. Because I'm, you know, uh, you know, I'm only making 190 and he's making 250. Uh, so, But it's an ego thing. You know, it's like I, my number should be higher than his number. Listen. You, you, you've, you're done. You, you don't have to worry about anything. You're going to be rich for the rest of your days and your offspring and their offspring are going to be rich. Shut the hell up yeah. and go play. I think we should shut the hell up pretty soon because we've, this has gone on long enough. It, you know um, why? But it's been enjoyable. It's, no, it this, not I really, I, I think this show has been fantastic. This episode particularly has been. I almost don't I've want to close it, it because we're, we're, I really, know, yeah. I know because, you know, but, you know, obviously, yeah, the, my throat it, is, it would, be tem- it would be tempting to rush it because, the Chargers and Jags are playing. It looks like the Jags just scored. It's twenty-seven-seven Jaguars. So maybe there's some second half magic for the Jags. I'm I'm gonna give the game a chance. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna watch the game after I upload the show and everything. Never um, count Dougie out. Never count yeah. Dougie out because it's yeah, yeah it's Doug twenty Peterson, points. Yep. There's a lot of football to be really played. special. And one day we're you and I are gonna mess around and do a two-hour show. Yeah, well, no, I we, think will. we can do we it because a lot of these big-time shows and radio shows they're on for five days because Howard Stern did five days a week for over thirty years. Um, like four hour shows. The man was doing like 20 hour shows and had to be all original. And, you know, well, that's all you do. Yeah. We can, yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that we, you know, we're, we have to put in a respect, like the guys who make a lot of money, put it in perspective. All we're, all we're doing, you know, we're doing about two hours of recording a week. Obviously, there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of goes into it and uploading it and getting it out on social media and promoting it. But, um, two hours a week is not a lot from us and we can definitely do more. Um, so yeah, man, we got more in us for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's been a great show. Uh, all the social media links are, are going to be in the description. I'm going to try to see if I can put the YouTube link. I'm, I can't promise it's going to be in there this time. I got to find out the, because I don't want the episode to be released and then we have to re upload it again and change the description because that's a whole process. Okay, just in it's, case you don't, I'm going to spit it one more time. Molly Malone. Okay. Okay. Molly Malone or Cockles and Muscles, same song, different, same, two different titles for the same song. Uh, the group is the Dubliners. Uh, but it's been done by everybody at one time or another. Okay. Check it out on YouTube. So YouTube, Molly Malone, the Dubliners. It's a great song and it's historic and you're getting some culture there too, folks. So check it yeah, out. I want to quickly talk about Villanova basketball really briefly. We're having a horrible season. I apologize to all Villanova basketball fans and people who thought Villanova was this big time program because we still are. The other night, the full 40 podcast, it's a good Villanova basketball podcast. They had a Twitter spaces on Twitter. You don't see a lot of big time programs do this. 
uh, it was a therapy session for the programmers. We're not doing good this year. And they had former players on like Alan Ray, Colin Gillespie. Um, a lot of people tuned in. I think over like a thousand people tuned in. And uh, we kind of talked, we kind of vented our frustrations with Villanova basketball. And you don't see that a lot. You don't see that with a lot of these big time programs. A lot of people just, they have a bad year. They turn on their, 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 their teams. They stop watching the games. We're keeping things in perspective. We've been very spoiled these past couple of years, as Colin Gillespie said in the, on the, the Twitter spaces. Um, we're having a great year, but you know, you never know. If Justin Moore comes back, we can win that Big East tournament. We can gain some momentum. We can really possibly, that's the only way, the only way we're going to make the tournament is if we win the Big East tournament to get into the actual, you know, March Madness NCAA tournament. But anyway, I digress. Villanova basketball, I'm having a great year. Um, but, um, thanks everyone for listening. And Joe, the floor is yours. If you want to dance all night, you got to pay the fiddler. Good night. Take care.